Awesome. Good to be with you. Good to see you all this morning. Everybody doing good? Yeah. Yep. Everybody's alive and alert. Yeah. Good deal. Well, man, it was a busy week. Is it okay to say that you're tired? Yes, there is, there's some tired folks in here, huh? I'm tired. It was a crazy, wild week. And we had, but at the same time, I say, I'm tired because of good things, which is another great thing. So on Monday night, uh, maybe some of you were following this on, on Realm, but I was trying to post daily updates as to what we're doing. I want you guys to be a part of the process as much as possible. But on Monday, we welcomed uh, Building God's Way and their team of architects and contractors here. Um, and on Monday night, we spent three and a half, four hours with them. And man, I tell you, it was an awesome process. I mean, it was pretty cool. They can finish my sentences. You ever, you ever experienced that where you meet somebody and you think, wow, man, they're tracking with you so well that they could finish your sentence. That's what it felt like. And the reason being is because these folks think ministry and then a building. That's important. That's important as we think about what we want for our future and, and all of those things. So man, it was so encouraging. The first night we, we spent together, we, we talked about ideas and thoughts and hopes and dreams that we have for a new facility. We talked budget, wah, 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 <laughs> you know? But you know, it's important as we're thinking about and we're dreaming, you know, God tells us very clearly we need to count the cost. And so we did, we counted the cost. Uh, we, we narrowed down to what we believe is an affordable budget, what our church can afford. And then we paired that with our design and thoughts and dreams so that we never got outside of the scope of what we can afford. And man, I tell you, it was a great process. So that was Monday night. That's what we talked about on Monday night. On Tuesday, that, the team of architects and contractors, they worked all day on Tuesday to bring us a report on Tuesday night. And they came up with some really unique designs and thoughts and ideas. We saw a couple of different floor plan options. Man, we saw uh, what the outside could potentially look like. And I tell you, it was beautiful. It was awesome. It was so encouraging to see that, that, that God can provide exactly what we need and what we want and what we can afford. And so, you know, that was so encouraging to see. Um, you know, on the Wednesday night, on our last night, you know, we had an opportunity to kind of fine tune and kind of speak into this and speak into that and think, oh, you know, if we could just do it like this and maybe that way, maybe that would be better. And so on Wednesday night, they, they came back with an updated floor plan, updated pictures of what the outside could look like. And man, it, I just tell you, I walked away. I've never felt so encouraged, so excited for our future. Um, I can't wait to share more with you at a later date. Uh, but what I want you to know is, man, there is something so powerful that happens when a group of people get together and they start thinking about how can we do ministry better? We're there talking about a building, but what we really talked about is how do we do ministry better? How do we reach more people? How do we see more people come to know Jesus with the life-transforming uh, good news of the, of the gospel? How do, we, how do we do that? How do we create a space for that to happen? How do we create a space for generations to, to be encouraged to be educated, to be empowered for ministry. Uh, man, it, I'm really speechless. I'm, I'm just so excited for, for the future. So here's a couple things that you need to know of. I wrote these down because I didn't want to forget them. Here's the next steps. 
So over the next two weeks, the building steering team will be praying over the plans and renderings as presented. So what they've presented to us, we're going to be praying over them. We're going to be fine-tuning them. We're going to be working with the the architects um, digitally, uh, online, uh, to fine-tune what we hope to be a final product. I use this because things will change and different things as we walk through the process, but we'll get to a more final product. Um, during that time, once we've received that kind of final product, that will all, all, those, all those drawings, all the stuff will go to the contractors. The contractors will receive that and then they will come up with, this is exactly what this thing is gonna cost. So right now we have a cost estimate. We will get closer to a more accurate cost um, on the other side of that. So that's really exciting. That process takes about three to four weeks. So all that to be said, you need to be aware that we will have a meeting sometime in the month of May to present all these findings to you. So that's really exciting. So keep, uh, be on the alert, keep your ears and eyes open uh, to, to more information about that. And when you and I are, uh, will gather here, we'll gather in this room and we will have a sweet meeting and we'll talk about all the findings that we have found over the year on top of with, with BGW. And there will be some sort of decision point at that, at that meeting. So we're excited about that. I hope you are too. Keep praying that God's will will come to fruition. Keep pl- praying that God will provide exactly what he wants for our church. And, and I'm, ex- I'm excited about that. Okay, so there's my update. Here's my update. Keep praying. Okay. Now for the sermon. <laughs> Y'all ready? All right, cool. Well, we are, uh, we're going to continue our series, but I got a fun question for you. Some people are going to love this. Some people are going to hate this. You ready? All right. Let me see a show of hands. How many people love change? That's fitting. Come on, be honest. It's okay. You can like change. It's fine. All right, there's like 12 of you. (laughs) Sorry for the last year. Hey, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. Everything's great. We're happy. Everybody's great. Okay. All right, now how many of you would say you just loathe change? The, the, The word change, you're just like, oh my gosh. Be honest. There was more people that didn't raise their hand when I said to you like change. It's okay. We can be honest. Now get, let me see them, show of hands, who doesn't like change? All right, well, you're doing okay. I'm gonna pray for you. It's okay. It's okay. Well, here's, so here's kind of crazy. This is what's crazy. We live in a day and age where change is inevitable, isn't it? I know, it's terrible. Uh, the word exponential has been used to describe the change in our lives, we, we are experiencing an exponential rate of change. It's a lot of change. I mean, how many of you guys, this is fun, okay? How many of you guys, if you were to pull, pull out your purse, your billfold, how many of you guys still have cash in your pocket? Wow, that's more of you than I thought. All right, how many of you guys still have a checkbook? You utilize checks. Do you know I don't have a, che- I don't have a checkbook? I don't have a check. Like, who needs checks when you get a debit card, a credit card, right? Times are changing. It's wild, you know? How many of you actually go into the bank? You still go into the bank. You got to see that person, right? I need to know. I need to see you. Right? They have chocolate. (laughs) That's great. They've got the really good mints, okay? It's worth it. 
Listen, I, I don't even remember the last time I walked into the bank. It's crazy. Times are changing. It's an exponential rate of change. And one author, he's a research scientist. Here's what he says of change. He says, in 20 years from now, the rate of change will be four times what it is now. Oh no, it gets worse. <laughs> it gets worse. So let's just say for someone who is about 40 today, when they are 60 in 2040, the rate of paradigm change will be four times what it is now. They will experience, get this, a year of change by today's standards in three months. That's crazy. This is, it's, it gets even worse. Sorry. So for someone who is 10, if you're 10 years old today, you're in this room and you're 10 years old, when you're 60, you will experience a year of change in 11 days. <laughs> How is that possible? I don't know if you're like me. You know, I'm kind of in the middle. Like, I, I don't like change, but I do like change, right? I don't want to be sedentary. Like, I don't, I don't want to be stuck in a rut. But at the same time, I also don't like change. I'm kind of, a, I'm a weird in the middle. But when I start thinking about this, I think, how in the world are we going to keep up? A year of change in 11 days? How in the world are we going to do that? I mean, just the thought of that is exhausting, and for, for you guys who don't like change at all, like, I don't know what you're going to do. It's exhausting. But here's the deal. I have great news for you. I have great news for you. While the world is ever changing, God never changes. While the world is in constant flux, culture changes, technological advances, all of the things as everything in your life is constantly changing. There's one who never changes and that is God. And boy, aren't we thankful for that. In fact, I want you to know this morning that God is immutable. It means that he never changes because it is outside of him to change. In fact, God can't change because that's outside of his character. God's character and therefore his identity never changes. God never thinks, if I could just be more like this person, well, then I'll have arrived. If I could just have this, then, then, then I'll be satisfied. God's character never changes. He is the same today, tomorrow, and for all of eternity. God never changes changes. Not, not a bit. His character remains the same today, tomorrow, and for all of eternity. I want you to hear that this morning because this, this morning, the good news of that is that for both groups in the room, both groups in the room, so the, the folks who love change, we can rest our hearts knowing that God never changes but he is always moving us to bigger and better things. He's always transforming us into the image of Jesus. He's always pushing us to reach more people. He's always pushing us uh, to change our schedules to minister to folks, right? He's always changing and moving us to more of him. And at the same time, for the folks in the room who go, oh, I just loathe change, you can rest your soul this morning that God never changes. He never changes, that he is the steady, 
anchor for your soul in a rapidly exponential changing world. So sure, technological advances, relationships come and go, life, there's ups and downs and everything in between, and yet at the same time, God remains the anchor that grounds us in life. Well, this morning, I've got about five things for us, okay? I got five things that I want you to see that God says of himself and and of his unchanging character this morning. So number one, I want you to hear this. Because God is unchanging, so are his promises to you. Because God is unchanging, so are his promises to you. In Numbers 23, 19, here's what the text says. God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. He has said, and will he not do it? Or he has spoken, and will he not fulfill that which he has spoken? You need to know this morning that God takes his word very seriously. What God says, he promises to fulfill. God takes his word seriously. In addition, his promises are true and he will never go back on his word. Even in our unfaithfulness, God remains faithful to his promises to you and to me. In fact, that's the story of the Bible, isn't it? From cover to cover of the Bible, it is a story of God's faithfulness to an unfaithful people. It begins in the book of Genesis, in the creation narrative. God creates man and woman to live with him, to enjoy him forever. And then what do we do? We blow it. Just like we always do, we blow it. We take a step of disobedience. We take a step out of God's design. We're separated from him for all of eternity. And then God makes this beautiful promise. Genesis 3.15, he promises to put an end to sin and shame, to redeem his people back. He ratifies that covenant in Genesis 3.21. And then we see that fulfilled in the person and the work of Jesus. In fact, in John chapter 1, In John chapter one, John the Baptist sees Jesus coming from a distance and what does he declare of Jesus? He says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The promise that God gave to Adam and Eve is fulfilled in the person of Jesus. And guess what? Because God was faithful to complete what he started, he's gonna be faithful to finish what he started as well. And Revelation chapter 22 tells us the story of the new heavens and the new earth where God will will put away uh, all sin, all shame, all guilt, all pain, all suffering, all will be gone. We will live in the new heavens and the new earth and we will be perfect. Wow. It's the story of the Bible. Because God is unchanging, so are his promises. Number two, because God is unchanging, we can know that we were not a mistake. I want you to hear this morning that because God is unchanging, you were not a mistake. First Samuel 15, 29. And also the glory of Israel will not lie or have regret for he is not a man that he should have regret. Isn't it great to know that God doesn't have any regrets. He never has any former decisions 
or mistakes that he thinks, oh, if only I wouldn't have done that, if only I wouldn't have said that, if only I wouldn't have created this person, if only I wouldn't have saved him or her. God never has that moment. He never has that thought. He never has that idea. God has no regrets. In fact, God creates everything, including you and me, for a distinct purpose. Did you know that you were created for a purpose? God has a purpose in mind for you and for your life. He's called us for a purpose. He has saved us for a purpose. And absolutely none of it was by accident. Remember, God is sovereign. He is in full control. Nothing that he's created is outside of his perfect will and order for his world. In fact, in Psalm 138, verse 8, David writes this. He says that the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Maybe you need to hear that this morning, that no matter what you're facing right now, God is going to fulfill his purpose that he has for you in your life. And hear me, despite you. God is working in your life, even right now in the circumstances, whether they're good, they're bad, pretty or ugly. He is working his purpose in your life right now in accordance with his good, right, and perfect will. Man, that's great news this morning. You know, when Jordan and I were in Fort Worth, this is before we moved to Belton, so we're talking 10 or so years ago. And, uh, you know, we got to this point in life where we thought it'd be wise to buy our first house. And, you, <laughs> you know, there's that phrase called fixer-upper. Y'all heard of that? Maybe you watched the TV show. Well, we bought a fixer-upper. Only, I don't know that that would do it justice. You know, I wouldn't even let my mom and dad come and visit us for about a year because I was afraid that they were gonna walk in the door and go, what have you done? I mean, y'all, it was, it was a little bit of a mess, but it was great, right? Because it's a fixer-upper, and that's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what happens when you watch TV shows, and those TV shows teach you bad. Anyway, it's fine. We're, we're fine. But the problem with this fixer-upper is, is that we didn't have any money to pay somebody to come make it livable. You know, that's the problem when you buy a fixer-upper. You got to have money to fix it up. We didn't have that. So Jordan and I are looking at each other and we're like, well, I guess we're going to have to do it. And because, well, I'm not really all that handy. I thought, how in the world are we going to do this? So I'm talking with one of, my, <laughs> one of my mentors and he said, Logan, here's the good news. <laughs> the good news is, is that you can't do anything that somebody can't come in and fix. <laughs> right? So like, no matter how bad you might think it is, you can always call somebody to come in and, you know, clean up your mess. And it's like, oh, thank goodness. So, so, you know, we went to YouTube because you can go to YouTube and learn how to fix anything. Do you know that? It's pretty wild. You, you can find anything on YouTube. It's wild. So we do. We, we get on YouTube. We learn how to, you know, tile the kitchen. We redid all the bathrooms, the cabinets, all of those things. But you know what motivated us to do all that? It was the reminder that God can fix our mistakes. I if I mess it up, all I got to do is call somebody and then come fix it. In the same way, in your life, there's nothing in your life that you can do. There's no mistakes that you can make that God can't step into your life and take care of it and redeem it. Everything in your life, God is using for his good and perfect purpose for you. 
Isn't that great? That's great. Number three, because God is unchanging, we are redeemed. Because God is unchanging, because his character never changes, you and I have an opportunity at redemption. In Malachi chapter three, verse six, here's what the text says. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Did you know that because of Adam and Eve's decision all those years ago, that they deserved eternal death? And in the same way, you and I this morning, do you know what we deserve because of our sin? The Bible says that for the wages of sin is death. What we have earned, the wage that we have earned for our sin is death. It's eternal death, separation from him. And yet in Christ, you know what we get? We don't get death, we get life. And if you were here last week, I told you that that was of nothing of your doing, but all of God's doing. When we deserve death, he gives us life. And this is great news. Genesis chapter six, verse five. Maybe you remember this story. We've talked about, a lot about it over the last weeks. But here in Genesis chapter six, verse five, here's what it says. That the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth and every intention of his thought, the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It was this realization. God being omniscient knows all things It was this truth that led God to a point where he wiped the planet of everything, started all over. And then in chapter nine of verse 11, of verse, chapter nine, verse 11 of Genesis, God makes an eternal covenant with Noah. Here's what he says. He says, Noah, I will establish my covenant with you that never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. Understand that God wipes the planet, makes an eternal covenant with Noah, and God knows that just two chapters over, if you were to flip the page, just two chapters over in Genesis chapter 11, that's the story of the Tower of Babel, that man would become so puffed up, so arrogant, oh, we can do this, we'll just build a tower up to God. We'll be in control of our lives, we don't need God, we're all good. God makes an eternal covenant with Noah, knowing good and well that on the other side of that eternal covenant, that man would continue to step outside of God's design, to take a step of disobedience toward God. And yet, despite all of that, he promises that there will, never be, there will, there will not be another day come that no matter how bad it gets, that I will start all over, that I'll wipe the planet. Also, don't forget This is also interesting. Don't forget that when God gives that eternal covenant, not many days after that, Noah goes on a drunken bender, makes some terrible mistakes. And yet even then, despite his mistakes, God knows everything. You think he doesn't know that? And yet even despite those mistakes, Noah deserves death. And yet God gives him life. Boy, isn't that the heart of the gospel? When you and I deserve death, when we deserve to be consumed for our sin, God sends Jesus to take your punishment, to take my punishment, 
to be held upon a cross where he was tortured, beaten, whipped, killed, blood spilled out for you and for me so that we are not consumed, but we are given life. That whether you realize it or not, that the day that you say yes to him, you are buried in his grave so that you can walk outside of an empty tomb. Wow. Grateful for God's unchanging character. Number four, because God is unchanging, our salvation is secure. Wow. Isn't that great? Your salvation is secure. I want you to hear Romans eleven twenty nine. 29. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. That's a great word. Your salvation this morning is irrevocable. Not even you can blow your salvation. Your salvation is irrevocable. John chapter 10, verses 27 through 29. This is Jesus' words. He says that my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one, no one, not even you, will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Listen, nobody, nobody, not even yourself, can snatch you out of the love and the steady grip of the hands of God. You can't outrun the grace of God. You can't outsend the grace of God. If he has set his love on you, you are his. If you have placed your faith and trust in him, you are his. I love what Paul writes in Romans 8, 38 through 39. He says of believers, for I am sure, he's not, he's not saying I'm, I'm assuming or I'm guessing. He says, I am sure, I am convinced, in other words, that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you are his and you've given your life to him, you do not have to ask yourself, am I saved? Because the answer is yes. The answer is yes. You cannot lose what you didn't earn in the first place. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 makes that clear, that it is by grace that you have been saved, and this is not of your own doing, but it is the gracious gift of God. You can't take a gift, you can only receive it. And you know what? You can't lose it either, because you can't lose with that which you didn't earn. Isn't that great? See, it's Jesus who earned your salvation on your behalf. You didn't hang on that cross, he did so that you stand secure in him and in his righteousness. Oh, that's great news. Number five, because God is unchanging, because God is unchanging, we can have hope that what he started in us, he will bring to completion. Because God is unchanging, we can have hope that what he started in us, he will bring to completion. I love this. Paul's writing in Philippians chapter one, in verse six, here's what he says. Again, he says, I am sure, I am certain, I am confident 
that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus. Isn't that great? That what God is starting in you, he is gonna finish in you. Wow. You know, when I was a kid, we had this rule in our home. Maybe, you've, maybe you had this, this rule in your home as well. It, it goes something like this. What we start, we finish. You know, so no matter if it was sports, no matter if it was something at school, you know, whatever it was, there was just this unspoken rule in our home that no matter what we started, we will always finish. You know, we, we've adopted that in my home now as well. I mean, it's just something that is gonna be part of who we are as the Reynolds. We're gonna be a people who, if we start something, we're gonna finish it. We're gonna see it through. This morning, I want you to know that in the same way that is God's promise to you, that what he started in you in salvation, he is going to finish in eternity. See, there was this moment where maybe you heard the gospel and you heard of God's gracious love for you that he gave his son Jesus to this earth to, to, to live a life that you could never live, to die the death that you deserve. He was buried in a grave. He rose on the third day so that you may have life in his name. And maybe, maybe you said, hey, I want that. Right? Maybe you admitted your sin, you confessed your sin, and, and you believed upon Jesus. And right in that very moment, you know what happened to you? Right in that moment, you are what's called, what the Bible calls justified. It means that you are made right with God. You are no longer eternally separated from Him, but you have now been made right with Him. That means that you now stand in Christ's righteousness. No longer does God see you according to your sin, but rather he sees you in light of Christ's righteousness. You no longer stand with robes and rags, but you stand clothed in the righteousness of Christ. You've been made right with him. And then from that moment on, you enter into this process called sanctification. It's a big word that just simply means that you are being made more holy that you are being made transformed into the image of Jesus. And so you have been saved. You've been justified. First Corinthians 15 says now that now you are being saved, meaning you are uh, being sanctified, that God is working out his salvation in your life, making you look more and more and more and more and more like Jesus each and every day until the day that you stand in his presence and you are glorified. And on that day, you and I will stand in his presence and we will be made perfectly whole. No more pain, no more suffering, no more change. We will be made perfectly whole. We will be glorified with him and we will experience that for all of eternity because God is unchanging. He will be faithful to finish what he started in your life. When that moment, when you said, yes, I'm following him, he will be faithful to see you through until the day that you go into his presence. And what an amazing day that that will be for you and me. Wow. And so I'll conclude with this. Final thought. In a world of exponential change, that quite frankly, it's impossible for you and I to keep up. Here's where we can land. 
we can rest our hearts and minds, no matter whether we love change or whether we loathe change, for those of us who love change, we can rest our hearts in the fact that God never changes, but is always moving us towards glorification. He's always transforming our lives. He's transforming our minds, our hearts. He is always pushing us to more of him, pushing us to greater things in ministry. He's pushing us to change and to see our environments change for the glory of God and the good of all people. So we can rest our hearts in that. For those of us who go, oh man, change. Oh, listen, we can rest our hearts knowing that he never changes, that we can find rest in him, that we don't have to look to all these things in our lives, these relationships, jobs, the market, the economy, technology, all of the things that are just doing this. We don't have to find rest there, but we can find rest in him who never changes, who is the steadfast anchor of our restless hearts. Oh, isn't that great? I think it's great. St. Augustine said that our hearts will be restless until they find rest in thee. My hope for you this morning is that you will walk away this morning a heart rested, not in the things of this world, but in him who never changes. He never changes. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness your grace to us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you never change. Your love for us never changes. Your opinion of us never changes. We never have to worry about what you're thinking. Even in our failure, God, you are faithful to step in and to clean up our mess. But not only that, you promise to never leave us or forsake us, to walk with us through the ups and downs of life, the exponential change of the world. God, you promise to be with us in and through it all. And Lord, we thank you. Thank you that the gospel never changes. God, the way that we minister may change, but the gospel never does. It is still the power of God for salvation to all who believe. So Lord, I pray that this unchanging gospel, God, I pray that it would go forth from our church that even as we look to Easter, God, I pray that we would proclaim this unchanging gospel to our friends, to our coworkers, to our neighbors. And Lord, as we celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection, Lord, I pray that many folks would come to know you maybe for the first time. God, I pray that that would be true of our church, Lord, that we wouldn't wait for Easter Sunday, we wouldn't wait for a Sunday to hear the gospel, but Lord, we would take the unchanging gospel to those around us to comfort them that they may find rest in you as well. Father, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.